When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. episode of season two of Serbian Corner, just like last year, we are starting on the Serbian Orthodox, or how I like to call it, the late uh, Christmas, which is a January 7th version of the birth of this Jesus guy. My name is Miroslav Tjuk in the States. I am known as a Jamal and MPJ hater. And at the same time in Serbia, I'm known as the unreasonable Jamal and MPJ stan. So you can say we are a divided Nuggets nation. Today, I am not joined by my usual co-host, Voja Medic, so instead I called my good buddy, a co-host of the most artistic Nuggets podcast ever called The Dig. His name is Nick Herzog, and no, he is not related to Werner Herzog, since their last names don't even spell the same. But Nick had to go to health and safety protocols for non-COVID illness, so I had to scratch the bottom of the barrel and call a guy who was kind enough to make some last-minute changes to his schedule and also make me make some last-minute changes to mine and also your schedules. He is the other co-host of the Dig podcast for the last couple of years playing chicken with the Sixers in Philly. His name is Jeremy Pauly and he will, I hope, join me in a minute. Before we go there, I just wanted to share some thoughts with you guys about the current situation with the Nuggets. Nuggets are number one seed, sharing the number one seed. No, actually, solo on the number one seed in the West because uh, because the Grizzlies have one, one win less, right? Something like that. So, basically, what I think right now, we have the Pelicans at number three who are without, without Zion Williamson for the next couple of weeks, maybe more than that. So I feel pretty comfortable about the fact that the number one seed race for the foreseeable future will be with, between the Nuggets and the Memphis Grizzlies. And to be honest, I'm pretty happy about that because uh, I don't, I, I, I'm not scared of Memphis Grizzlies. I could live with them being number one seed and Nuggets being number two seed if, if that's the only team that will have a higher seed and... Uh, the home home court advantage against the Nuggets in this year's playoffs. The two teams I am still pretty much afraid of in the West, even though I said a couple of weeks ago that I think that West is pretty weak this year comparing to other years, but those things can change pretty quickly. For instance, the reigning champions, 
Golden State Warriors, they could become a juggernaut again, you know, with everybody healthy and maybe a trade or even worse, like like a, like a guy they will sign on a minimum after the buyout that could uh, uh, put them in a better position. I'm pretty scared of Golden State Warriors. They're a really, really good team. The other team I was afraid of from the start of this season are the Dallas Mavericks, and I have to agree with Matt Moore on this. Think about Dallas Mavericks. They're not a good team. They really are not. They just play a very simple brand of basketball. The problem with this is that Luka is a world beater. Yes, he has some uh, um, underwhelming games with some pretty bad efficiency. That's true. But on the other hand, he is probably the only guy right now in the league that could single-handedly win a playoff series. I'm pretty sure of that. So that's the reason I am a bit afraid of uh, of uh, Dallas Mavericks, and I hope somebody else will have to beat them, and somebody else will beat them. I think they are pretty a pretty bad matchup for the Nuggets. If we go to the other side, the Eastern Conference, what we can see there is the Boston Celtics, who are sliding a bit lately, but still, still firmly in the in number one seed. We have uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, who haven't been uh, healthy from the start of the season, which is why we have no idea how good they really are. The other teams, I don't know, Philly. I mean, I. I would need to to see them move past the the second round before before I I seriously speak about them. So basically, and this is one thing I want to talk to Jeremy later in the show. I would say at the half point of this season that the Nuggets right now are in the best position to make a super deep run in the playoffs this season comparing to any any other season of the Jokic-Malone tenure. The only other season that was uh, uh, close to this was, of course, the, the bubble season. And I, was, I wasn't super impressed with that team back then. But when you see that that was the fur- furthest the Nuggets uh, made in the playoffs in, in this tenure, this is the... the uh, this is the the point we want to to go over. So, basically, why why do I have this big belief in Denver Nuggets? First of all, I think Nuggets are one of very rare teams, and I honestly haven't taken taken a look at all of the teams in the league to to confirm this. But one of the very few teams I could, with full confidence, say they have no bad contracts at all. So the only contract we can speak about uh, in terms of of being a negative value contract, meaning that you would need to add something to the player value just to get rid of this guy, it could be the, the Michael Porter Jr. The only reason is the health issues, the health concerns, sorry. Problem about this is we, we have no idea. Michael could have like two full seasons of health from this point, and Nuggets could win two championships with him. So there's really no point in dwelling about whether his contract is a positive one or a negative one. 
So with having said that, when we look at the other contracts like Nikola Jokic, like Jamal Murray, these are max guys, but but we feel confident about them being a real uh, world beaters in the in the playoffs. And then you get to the myriad of players with uh, Aaron Gordon, with KCP, with Bruce Brown, with Bones Highland, who is on a rookie scale deal, with uh, uh, Zeke Naji, who is on a rookie scale deal, Christian, uh, uh, I wanted to say Christian Clark, Christian Brown, who is also on a, on a minimum contract uh, or the, the rookie contract right now. And then you get to Jeff Green and even Ish Smith. I just feel really fine about all of these guys. I, I haven't even mentioned the cheapest guy probably on the roster, and that's, uh, that's Vlatko Cancar, who is my guy for years. I've always knew that if he gets the proper, ch- proper chance, he will be able to show his, uh, his true potential and his, uh, his, real, uh, um, his real face in the NBA. And this season, he, he has gotten that chance more than in any, any previous season. And we can see what he can do on both sides of the court, on defense and on offense. I'm really impressed with his confidence. I'm really impressed by how competent he is on both sides of the court. He is uh, making good screens. He is uh, making good assists. He is a great shot maker. He is above 50%, I believe on three pointers this season on uh, uh, it's not a, like a like a half a half a try per game it's more than that it's not it's not a, it's not like like the andre jordan's uh, percentage from the from the three point line which is by the way still 100% for the season okay unfortunately i will now now be joined by jeremy poli who finally got from his uh, he is actually day work to join me here. So without further ado, Jeremy Poli. Hey, can you hear me? First of all, did I pass I can, the sound check? I can hear you too loud, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that always true? Yeah, it, you, oh. you are a bit loud, but let, let, let me see if I can, if I can set I your can. volume. What about now? Or, uh, Is this better? Yeah, that's better. That's better. That's better. Okay. So let's do the official start of the show 20 minutes in because it's that kind of the day. So I already said to, to guys listening to the show, uh, unfortunately listening only to me uh, at the beginning of it, your name is Jeremy Poli. Your friends call you just Jeremy. So this is why I call you Jeremy Poli. So what up, Jeremy Poli? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. Wow. Uh for starters, let me apologize um, to the listeners. Let me apologize uh, not for being late, but for actually showing up. Because um, the only quality Nuggets conversation that they will have just stopped. It was the first 20 minutes with you alone. Um, I think by the end of this, they will know less about the Nuggets than had they just not listened at all, had I not shown up at all. So. Uh, happy to be here and, and spoil it halfway through. <laughs> Actually, you've missed like uh, 15 minutes of technical difficulties I had, which uh, uh, at the end turned out to be a really silly technical difficulty. But that's that's what you get when you have no no proof testing before the start of the show. Okay, 
So I don't want to lose any more of your time because I don't. I know you're on a on a strict time schedule as well. So instead of having our regular uh, segments that we usually do here, I wanted mm -hmm. to mix things up a bit to make you more comfortable. So I'm going to do an <laughs> homage to the segments that Dig was famous for. So okay. Yeah. First segment for for today is. What's your temperature? And that's a, that's a pretty common thing in, in the time of pandemic, I guess. You, you should check your temperature from time to time. But since we are more or less at the midpoint of the season, I want to see how do you feel about certain things comparing to the start of the season. Important note, this is absolutely not the Stonks report since the segment has a completely different name. So this is why it's different comparing to that one. Okay, so <clears throat> first of all, and you don't know that I will, I'm going to ask you this. What's your temperature on Nikola Jokic's three-point shot now comparing to the beginning of the season? Okay, so um, what's, what's normal? 98 degrees? Is that a good temperature? Uh, I, I, I have no idea about Fahrenheit's man. Okay, okay. You're the oh, only guy right. using it. <laughs> we are, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> um, well, let, let's let's put it this way. Uh, Nicola had a really bad cold to start the season. Uh, he was quite down quite a bit. Um, and he hasn't even been showing up for his doctor appointments until recently. And we're happy to see that it's starting to go up a little bit. Um, I, to speak more to what he's doing, uh, um, I don't want to stop him I, because – He's put the, the offense first and the other four guys and how things are moving. We've seen him spend the first half of the season passing up quite a few open threes. Uh, but if his mind is at the point where he just wants to open things up, get the entire offense working better than just his three-point shot, then I'm all for that. And more recently, I think we have seen him start to, to take a few more of those and, and make them. So I am happy to see that. Um, everything is going better rather than going worse. So as long as we trend better, I'm happy to see it. You see, think about his three-point shot starts from this summer because during the, the FIBA World Cup, uh, FIBA World Cup qualifiers and, and uh, FIBA Eurobasket, he had some issues with his wrist on his shooting hand. So, mm -hmm. you know, he had a like a like a bondage on it, on or however you call it. And mm. even back then, it felt like his shot would be off. And he honestly didn't try a lot of shots back then. He was he was mostly trying to, to score inside. And at the beginning of the season, we've seen the, the record low, you know, number of, uh, of attempts from the three-point line from his side, which actually helped his true shooting because he actually cannot miss a shot uh, inside the three-point line, which is pretty pretty convenient. So yeah, I I agree. We see there is no no uh, bondage on his uh, wrist recently, and it's no coincidence that he is shooting better now. He is already above thirty-five percent, I think, on the season, which is uh, pretty good. Which means that everybody will just need to be in his face. To be honest, everybody is in his face, uh, except for Yusuf Nurkic for some reason. He just uh, 
lets himself uh, be shot in the face by a Jokic three-pointer every time. But uh, kidding aside, I think Nikola Jokic's uh, three-point shot is trending up. And honestly, I don't know if it will uh, stay that way because of the wear and tear, because he has so much on him. So I don't know how, how his wrist will respond in in the months that comes. But if he is on top of his three-point game for the playoffs, man, there's no stopping him, right? If if you want to be... If, you, if you're Yusuf Nurkic, do you want to look like a fool by letting Jokic take an open three? Or do you want to look like a fool by being put on skates and slipping and sliding and falling while Jokic takes you to the hoop? Which one do you want? You know what? I I haven't put myself into Yusuf Yusuf's uh, uh, you know skin recently, so I'm not gonna start now. So yeah, I I think it's very fair what you just said. Yeah, moving I think it's on. Smart for him to just leave it be. Yeah, moving on. So I want to get spicy right now. What's your temperature? about Bones being a reliable playoffs player? Um, we don't even need to argue about Fahrenheit or Celsius. Uh, it's just zero. We, every, every tool that we try and use, uh, it's completely cold. I have zero reliability in Bones. Uh, I, I, I love the man, and I feel like I understand his game and where it's at. And going along with that is to not rely on him. I think he's held true, rather true to the comparison of Jordan Clarkson. And uh, is there a more unreliable player in the NBA than Jordan Clarkson? So, um, you know, it, it, the one thing positive I will say is we're halfway through the season. This season is all about taking that last big step that we can as a team to get to a championship. And it looks like he's trying to become a better point guard, a better playmaker rather than the Jordan Clarkson path of just trying to be a better shooter and find a way uh, to get his own shot off. So if he does take some steps forward as a playmaker that can get more out of the second unit, that would be great. But we haven't really seen that, I don't think, at this point, and I'm not expecting to see it. So um, he, brings, he brings some positives, but he brings the negatives unreliable. Good thing about him is he is on a rookie scale contract, so you can live with him being being as volatile as he is right now. So basically, you could use him in the playoffs. Just try try him for a couple of minutes, and if it doesn't work, just just pivot to to somebody else. But if it does work, you're gonna win a game because of his you know him being on fire completely. On the other hand. We we are going to talk about making improvements on Nuggets roster before the playoffs because I do believe this season should be should be looked as a championship or bust season because big changes should happen if they don't. I mean, not if they don't win the championship, but they would need to be in like Game Seven of Western Conference Finals in order for me to feel like this is a successful season. So Bones Highland, basically, he's a super talented player. And I think he's going to have a great NBA career. He is also the best chip the Nuggets 
right right mm -hmm. right now have outside of the max contract guys so uh it's just something to keep an eye on i really do i would love love it the most if all of the guys would stay and we win the championship with all of them i'm not sure that's that's super viable so we we are gonna agree on this temperature here okay you're, you're next very up cold-hearted speaking of temperatures <laughs> he's nothing but a chip right <laughs> <laughs> you know why it's because you're here and i had covid like exactly two years ago like on new years of 2021 and i remember i was waiting for my pcr tests to see if i am positive or not and you know what I did while waiting in my cold car for a couple of hours before before I got my test results? I was listening to the last episode of The Dig. This is not a made-up story, man. You you like put that, that show a couple of days before that, and I figured out it's there. So, yeah, this is why I'm so cold-hearted right now. So it's a oh, true story. Oh, man. <laughs> we, didn't know, we didn't know that was our last show. So... Uh... It's Maybe done. we haven't had our last show. It's done. That's right. Okay, That's, right. <laughs> That's right. That's <laughs> right. All right. Okay. Next thing. And this is in interesting to me. So, what's your temperature on Calvin Booth versus Tim Connolly approach to the team building? And just to give you a heads up. So, I'm kind of thinking that, that Calvin Booth is doing a Ryan Johnson versus J.J. Abrams here where you have J.J. Abrams playing it super safely on the episode 7 of Star Wars, like mm -hmm. making a direct copy of episode 4, like everything is the same like in episode 4. So he played it safely and he got, you know, the movie was a success. They got the, you know, the revenue they wanted. So they could have, you know, continued with the trilogy. On the other hand, Ryan Johnson came... With, uh, comes with with uh, the episode eight, and he says, "F you, JJ. I'm gonna just gonna rip everything up that you did." So if you remember, and I'm not gonna dwell on this for too long because it's a bit boring. But there was like a base, the rebel base established in episode seven. At the end of the episode seven, first thing that happens in episode eight, this rebel base gets destroyed. And there's just one one example of so what what for now what uh, what Calvin Booth did he traded some uh, defensive liability players and I you know I love Monte Morris but he mm -hmm. wasn't a great defensive uh, guy for the for the playoffs and of course we know how how good Will Barton was on defense for the last couple of seasons and he brought like three four really really defensive guys for this season and DeAndre Jordan but you know not, nothing is perfect so how do you how did you feel back then in like July and how do you feel about it now uh, I'm thinking on my feet here which I've never done before uh, but I see the director set up maybe a little bit differently um, I'm gonna go with the aliens series and I'm going to say that the difference between those two is that Tim Connolly, his greatest um, value to our team was finding value where other people didn't. It, it, we've got 
obviously Jokic, the best pick of all time. Um, we've got uh, hey, even Bones Highland um, as of late. Uh, Monte Morris, who we loved, uh, turned into a chip, as you love to do with people's uh, hearts and spirits and souls. Um, so MPJ. I'm going to go. MPJ, yeah, exactly. That's a great, great example. Jamal, uh, that could have been nothing. Um, Jamal, I'm gonna say is a safe one. We knew it was gonna be um, one of three guys right at that spot, and the other two guys went before him. But so I'm gonna call him the Jean Pierre Junot of the Nuggets, who directed Aliens Four, which was a complete tragedy, a terrible movie. But this was the guy who did Amelie. Uh, this is the guy who did the city of lost children. He had so much potential, but you did not know what you were actually going to get out of it. It could be a gem like Jokic, or it could be just not fitting correctly. Whereas, um, with Calvin Booth now, to me, he's the guy who, who is very, um, exacting specific. He sees a problem and he wants to go exactly at that. He's the opposite. Who did we draft? Uh, Christian Brown, who we probably could have gotten later, but he knew the hole that he wanted to fill and he gets him. A lot of people criticize the KCP trade, like Barton and Monte, like they're, they're worth so much more than just KCP, but KCP filled a need. So he's giving up value for a need and it's working. It's kind of, I think, the last step of what the Nuggets needed. When they were rebuilt after the Mellow era, they needed some sort of value, huge value. Got that with Connolly. Now we're at that level. We need to fill the specific gaps. So I'm going to say that he's our James Cameron, Aliens 2. It was, he knew what he was doing. It was going to be an action movie. It was going to be intense. And he nailed it. It wasn't anything more than that. Uh, and that's exactly what Calvin Booth is doing. Man, you're, you're low on Tim Connolly. I mean, for a second, I thought you would you're going to say that he was the Ridley Scott of the aliens because he made you know such a such a wonderfully uh, imaginative movie that and and this problem problem with me is i think alien uh, alien the first part is boring that's the problem with me because i'm i know nobody agrees with me on this i think that aliens is so much better movie than Alien because it was so much more fun. Problem mm -hmm. with this is there was no Alien 2 or Aliens without the Alien. So that's why it, it doesn't make any sense to say that it's a better movie. That's But, better. I'm going to go yeah. with that. That's the optimistic way of looking at it. And I'm not trying to trash Connolly. Obviously we're, we are at where we are at because of him. Um, so I don't, I don't mean to trash him the way that Jean-Pierre, as you know, trashed the Alien series. <laughs> <laughs> but let's move I, on <laughs> I never saw that one coming okay so before the show I just said that this season is Nuggets best shot at championship so far do you agree with that after like uh, I don't know 38 games or whatever absolutely uh, that's that's a hard one to um, to disagree with I, I would actually love to hear somebody disagree with that uh, I guess maybe we can think of like maybe a future point if somebody thinks the the chemistry with these players no, no, by now wrong. by now i mean but by now yeah i agree yeah. yeah we've got we've got all the right guys healthy um and now we've got the right skill players to balance the roster out uh, not, there's 
I don't see how you can really be much better than this. Okay, now we're going to take a sharp right turn and because this was too optimistic. So, our next segment is called Are We Sure? So, this is self-explanatory and also not an homage, but a direct ripoff of the dig segment. But you know what? Bill Simmons already stole it a couple of months ago and got away with it, so what the hell? So... <laughs> Are we sure that Jamal Murray is the right guy to be the star next to Jokic, meaning to win a championship next to the big guy? And let me be clear. I think Jamal is going to be his bubble self by the end of this season and probably before, the, before that. But, oh. I find, but I find myself loving that lineup with Bruce Brown in place of him. Uh, in the mid parts of second and fourth quarters, right before, right after, actually, Jamal Stagger with the second unit. So let me make one more thing clear before you strap me to a cross on this holy day. Uh, Jamal. I'm strapping you to a nuke and then dropping you. <laughs> so Jamal is undoubtedly the second best player of the Jokic era. But he does make it easier for the opponents in the playoffs to put Nikola on an island versus the guards in the playoffs because he cannot jump over screens. So with everything there said, so yes, we both agree that this is the best shot Nuggets have had so far. But let's make it really dark. What if they fail this season? Do you trade Jamal in that case? It, it would have to be specific. I, I mean, not specific. I, I would need to see how it plays out. That, that's a hard question. Um, I actually, can we pause while I go get the straps to strap you to a nuke? Because that is a ridiculous question. Um, now, let me rephrase. I, I could absolutely see things go wrong in a way where we trade Jamal. Um, He is, let me go in a different direction. You went with a left turn. Now I'm going to jerk it back to the right. Um, let, breaking down Jamal's fit in two ways, the good and the bad, and just one point on each. The good thing that Jamal does, I think, more than anything from the point guard position on a Jokic team. Let's just imagine the ideal Jokic team. What does the point guard do on that team? where Jamal Murray excels at this point in his career is knowing how to get the ball to Jokic, whether that's um, finding him on the other side of the court and just dumping it off to him, or whether that's working with him in a two-man game and passing back and forth in different ways. That was something that took him a long time. It, I, I think it was the biggest concern with him his first season or two was uh, his struggles to do that. Or, and or four. Four. <laughs> yeah, maybe four. Man, has it really been that long? Um, but at this point, he's become an artist of just getting the ball to Jokic. I, I think he is perfect at it. I think he knows to do it. I think he knows that's uh, an important part of his role. So I give him an A for that. Uh, now on the negative side, as you mentioned, it's his defense. Um, but we, I'm not going to say he's ever going to be a top defender we could think we could name off so many point guards that would be a better fit with him but we have seen him perform uh, a solid defense with Jokic before 
And that was with a Gary Harris next to him. That was with Paul Millsap when he had more energy in his legs. Um, so it relied on the entire unit moving on a string. And if he is able to live up to his role on that string and everybody else is too, I think we can have a, a good defense. We were top 10. You know, there was that brief period uh, where we were the number one in December of, what was that, three or four, three or four years ago? So I think he can deliver. So I want to keep him. I doubt he's going to be the reason why we fail. Right now, the Nuggets are tied with Boston Celtics as the number one offense in the league. And they're 0.1 point below the highest, historically highest offensive rating in the history that was like uh, the Nets from two, two seasons ago. So they're doing pretty fine on, on offense. It's just the defensive mm-hmm. concerns. I do have, but I do agree. And I'm just going to take a short segue here. Jeremy Grant was much better on defense than Aaron Gordon, right? No, it's just that no. Aaron Gordon... No, no, <laughs> listen to me. Aaron Gordon is so much better than Jeremy Grant on uh, offense. But if we're talking about, you know, guarding trees, I'm not sure that that he's been better than what we saw from from Grant in the bubble. If that's what defense is, then you are right. If you if you say to any player on your team, okay, we need defense, and what that means is for them to go out and and guard a three, then absolutely. But I think what we learn in a Jokic offense is the only way to have a successful defense is um, on a Jokic team, not a Jokic offense. The only way to have a successful defense is to um, have a unit that works together. It's the scheme that's going to win. And to me, Jeremy Grant is nothing but somebody who can just guard a three or man on man. He's a man on man defender. He's athletic. But to me, he has no eyes in the back of his head. To me, it was a huge contrast between him and Paul Millsap, who was the king of off-ball defense. And to me, that's the number one thing on my list of the man who defends next to Jokic. The four on the ideal Nuggets team, the number one priority is off-ball defense. Aaron Gordon might not be the the poster of off-ball defense, but he's shown uh, to be good enough, smart enough, and obviously the athleticism that Paul Millsap didn't have to to make that space between being on the outside to being on the inside to cover for somebody else. So I, I'm I'm very happy with him on defense. And I think he's in a Jokic defense way better than Jeremy Grant. I think we would have never won a championship with Jeremy Grant as our four. Never. Never. <sighs> You're warm with my heart, man. You're warm with my heart. Okay. I <laughs> I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you. I know you're not drunk, so so yeah. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna. Uh, I I am believe you I'm this time. Drunk. I'm drunk. I'm not asleep. I'm staying in an Airbnb. We're we're working here, shooting here, and my my neighbors were being loud all night, so I did not get any sleep, and I might be a little drunk. On sleep. Before we continue, we're gonna take a very short break. Okay, we are back. So, the last couple of are we sures? And the first one is very simple. Do the Nuggets need a new backup five? DeAndre Jordan is out of the rotation right now, although we've seen him we've seen him uh, against Cleveland and he wasn't wasn't bad at all. But are Vlatko, Jeff, 
and Zeke enough to fill out those scarce bench playoff minutes. We're talking about six to eight minutes per night in playoffs. Do you think the Nuggets should go deeper in the luxury tax and and take somebody to be their backup five for the playoffs? Yes, absolutely. I'm not sure at all that Vlaco, Jeff, and Zeke are enough to, to fill out the bench unit. Um, it comes down to matchups. Playoffs, there's, there's quite a few teams where if – you know, any one of those guys is our backup center, they're going to get crushed. So that's something I don't want to see. We don't have to have the best backup center in the world. We don't have to pay them 17 million like we did that one time to that one player. Um, but to have somebody who can be an option when we need him against another big uh, would be great. And it was Zach Lowe who dropped it. I, I was hearing it around some Denver sports blogs before Zach said it, but. Uh, he phrased it in a way that made it sound like a cheaper deal is uh, 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 Polo, Pol, Polo, it's oh, German. Brittle, I got it. Brittle, yeah. Brittle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, um, I think you're actually insane. right. It's it's probably Poltel. Yeah, Poltel. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that should be right. Because there's not, there's not an actual L in the middle. It's just the way you say the O and the E. And so in English, we do add the L there, but you Poltel. Something like that. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I think he's a bit a bit steep. I think he's over that uh, that uh, uh, trade exception the Nuggets have. So they, it would need to be some kind of trade where some players go in a different direction. And I'm pretty right. sure that 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 San Antonio is gonna get a better offer from somebody else for uh, for Jakob comparing to. To what the Nuggets can offer, but yes, I agree. He would be an awesome, awesome uh, uh, solution for that kind of position. Last, last, uh, are we sure for for today? Can Do I? the Nuggets already have enough length for the playoffs? I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm sure that we do. Uh, which isn't to say that we're the perfect team on length, but uh, the way that we've seen um, Michael Porter Jr. use his length on defense, I mean, we, everybody's been talking about it for the past month. I, I'm not saying anything new here, um, but between him at his height, Aaron Gordon and Jokic, that's a, a strong front court. And then Jamal Murray isn't small. He doesn't have a big frame. He's 6'5". Uh, KCP is what, 6'5", 6'6", 6'5"? Yeah. Um, yeah. These aren't the biggest guys. There's going to be some matchups that that they'll be a, a bit smaller. But, um, I mean, the Clippers, for starters, would be a tough one. But we've seen how we play them. I, I feel... <laughs> would they be tough? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that's like the most concerning one I can think of. Um, I don't know. Herbert Jones on the Pelicans, um, but he wouldn't add anything to their offense. Uh, maybe Ben Simmons uh, could be. Put the, um, put the pin on that, that. Are the Clippers or not Ben Simmons? The... Sorry. Who's who's their who's their small forward who's injured? Oh, yeah, I mean the. the um... Oh God, uh, Brandon Ingram. 
Yes, Brandon Ingram, Ben Simmons. Good. Yeah, you're you're having a bit of a technical difficulties, but that's nothing new <laughs> for for the start of this show. Uh, just one one thing I wanted to ask you: Are the Clippers that we saw a couple of days ago the worst NBA team ever? And let me let me rephrase that: I'm not talking about the talent of the players on the team. I'm talking about the way they play. Is there a worse kind of basketball game than what they've shown on the offensive side a couple of nights ago? I, I that that's a really good point. I love the anger and fury that you're coming with right now. Because <laughs> really, the Nuggets are a great um, lens to view the NBA as far as seeing quote-unquote bad teams with the worst records in the NBA come and beat us it's because they were working well together. And so yep. to your point about their talent, to see the opposite of that, these people who are extremely talented just play the most awful basketball and lose is is a sight to behold. Oh, we love it, don't we? <clears throat> yes, we do. Yes, I enjoy that pretty much. And before I let you go, I'm going to share a screen one second. Mm -hmm. uh, here it is. Yes. So it's quiz time, Jeremy. I know you have only five more minutes, so I'm going to quiz you. And everybody can join. Everybody can join in the chat. So the question for today. Name the former nugget. Okay. I'm going to give you several clues. And Marcus you try Poe. to... Okay, so you have two strikes, and after that you're gone. So I'm not going to count this one. So, so pace yourself, okay? Fine. Okay, first clue. In his final year for the Nuggets, he shot a bit above 37% from the three-point line. Couldn't there be a couple of people shot sure. a little above 37%? Uh, Jeremy in his, in his in his last season. If his you're not sure, season. you can just you can just ask for another clue. I don't want you to to you know get out of the game before we even started. Okay, <laughs> give, give me a clue. Give me a clue. Keep them coming. Give me all the clues. Okay, he averaged eleven so points. Oh. He averaged eleven point one points in his Nuggets career. So for the duration of the Nuggets career. Not only the last season. I think I'm trying to. Does his name? Does his last name start with a V? Or, that, or that his first be, name? That would be too much for me. Let me give you another clue. Let okay. Me give you another clue. He was drafted by oh. Tim Connolly, so I'm not talking, you know, about Geoffrey Laverne, although he was probably also. Drafted by Tim Conley. I'm not sure about that one. Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, I made the mistake of looking so, at and it is a good good guess down there that I want to steal. <laughs> okay. Monte Morris. Monte Morris is wrong. That's not the correct Ooh. answer. Okay. You have only one more one more strike before you're out. Number Marcus four, Pope. he started for the Nuggets in 107 games. 
So he started for the Nuggets in 107 games. So it would be, it wouldn't be somebody who shot a lot, but but played a lot. 107. It's not Nahara was before Tim Conley's time. He got a three point shot out of nowhere in his last season. Is just why I think of that. Uh, oh man. Marcus Pope. I don't know. <laughs> Marcus Pope is wrong. So next time you are wrong, you're out of the game. So okay. clue number five. Clue number five. Sorry. He has since played for three more NBA teams since leaving the Nuggets. I feel like this is a player that... Oh, mm, mm, 11 points seems a little low. No. It's killing me. Drafted. 37%. It can't be a center. It just can't be a center. Um, 37%. I'm thinking forward. Some sort of forward. A small forward? Oh, 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 oh. Tory Craig? Tory Craig is wrong. And I will show you now the guy who got it right. It's Ristan who said... Emmanuel Moudier. So he was the highest Nuggets draft pick in the Malone Jokic era, which is true because it's the same like Jamal, number seven. And he shares a first name with a famous philosopher, Emmanuel Kant. So yeah. Wait, I but I thought I thought Moudier, but then I thought, wait, wasn't Tim Connolly didn't he start right after Moudier? No, no, he drafted Moudier. It's it's the same. It's it's a year before before Jokic. I think he was there. Did I make it wrong? I could have sworn that Moutier was who he was stuck with, and that was one of the narratives to start his career. Listen, man, it's completely possible, and it <laughs> completely goes in a way of this show from from the start to the yes. beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Always throw so in a wrong fact in your quiz show <laughs> <laughs> at the start of the quiz, so it's. Completely impossible to guess. You might be you exactly. might be right about this. To be to be completely honest. Okay, Jeremy, any parting thoughts before I let you go? Uh, just that you're a cold-hearted person uh, who thinks that people <laughs> are chips to be uh, traded, and um, even a Christmas tree in your background is not going to make up for any warmth. Uh, no, I, I I love you to death. Um, can't wait to watch more this season with you. I'm more excited than I have ever been. And uh, to be a Nuggets fan um, in any way, shape, or form is just to the best place on the earth to be right now. So, um, yeah, just following you and, and excited for what's in front of us. Thank you, everybody, for, for staying with us through this mess of a show. And uh, I hope to see you next week. Idemo Nuggetsi. Bye.